0: Welcome back to the Dynamic Dialogues Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Danny Matranga, and today's episode is all about hiring a personal trainer or online coach. Is it something you should do? What should you be on the lookout for? And for those of you who are coaches, you'll probably learn a lot too. Now, before we dive into it, I want to let you in on a giveaway. So, for anybody out there right now who's working out from home, dealing with all this crazy stuff, Having a program that you can do that's progressive and uses minimal equipment or just the weight of your own body is really, really valuable. So I'm going to be giving away six of my body weight only and minimal equipment only home programs. These are month-long programs that are structured in a way that they're actually progressive. They're not a month's worth of random workouts. They're a month-long protocol that is either bodyweight or uses a pair of light dumbbells and a pair of heavy dumbbells. Now, these have been on my website for a little while, but I wanted to reward some of my podcast peeps by doing a giveaway. So, very simple way to enter the giveaway, simply screenshot this episode or any other episode of the podcast that you've liked up until this point, share it to your Instagram story and tag me. That's it. Screenshot Instagram story tag your boy, you're entered into the giveaway. I'm going to give away three of each of those between probably when this launches Friday and you'll know by the end of the day. So it's a really good way to uh, potentially get yourself a program and also help share the love and help the podcast grow. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode, which are the five reasons it makes sense to hire a coach. So this episode actually comes at the request of you guys. I regularly ask on my various social media platforms as to what direction you want me to take solo podcasts. Podcasts where I have guests on, roundtables, or interviews, I usually try to play to the expertise of the guest because that's the best opportunity for me to provide you guys with value. But with solo podcasts, I'm usually going to be selecting topics that you guys want to hear directly from me. And one of the more common questions was, how do I know if I need a trainer or what should I look for in a trainer? So, I originally wrote a blog on this, but I thought it would make for a fantastic, fantastic podcast episode. And first, let me preface it by saying this. I understand these are very uncertain times. These are very unique times, both financially as well as um, sociologically. A lot of us are unable to get to and from the gym, but because this one's highly recommended, Maybe you listen to it and pocket what I have to say for a day where some of this makes more sense. By no means do I want you to think that you're failing if you don't have a coach or a trainer or that it's the only way to be successful. And again, obviously, take this with a grain of salt because this is what I do for a living. But I will be honest with you up front. I don't think everybody needs a coach or a trainer. But I think there's a lot of pros and I think it's worth going over. So let's talk a little bit about Coaching and training as a whole, and who probably would benefit the most from it from a population standpoint. So, everybody, for the most part, would benefit from it. Everybody would benefit from having somebody either in person or online whose job it is to hold you accountable to getting the best possible workouts, uh, hold you accountable to hitting nutrition targets that are aligned with health and performance. That's obviously not rocket science. Having somebody help you be healthier and train harder is always going to be a good thing. But the investment in a coach has the ability to pay particular dividends for people who are either new to lifting, completely new, or within their first two years, I would say, those who fall into that novice to intermediate category, Uh, elite lifters or people at a very high competitive level who need to get the absolute most out of their training, and professionals who may be in their middle age to even advanced age who are doing things that are very high powered, that have very little room for error and require them to get the absolute most out of their free time. So the three biggest populations that stand to benefit from working with a coach are those who are very new to lifting or who are in that intermediate stage where they've only been doing it for about a year and they want to lay the foundation for decades of quality lifting. That's where that education that comes from having worked with a really high quality coach pays dividends. It's not learning how to deadlift and learning how to squat. It's having learned it so earlier, so early on in your career that you avoid Pain and training related injuries that often plague many lifters for the first half decade of their training career. Then we have that elite high level population, those of whom are probably already very competent technique wise, but have the tendency, and we'll talk more about this later, to get in their own way. And they need somebody to hold their hand and make sure that they are constantly putting their foot on the gas so that they can get the most possible, uh, the highest level of outcome out of their. Uh, competitive ability. And then of course we have professionals or people who are just busy. You don't even have to be a high powered professional, just anybody who's busy, who wants to get the most out of their training and knows that deep down uh, fitness and learning about fitness perhaps isn't necessarily something they're passionate about, but they're really passionate about living a healthy life. So a good way to create some type of example for those of you who are fitness enthusiasts is many of us like to have a very clean haircut but we wouldn't dare cut our own hair, but we understand the importance of looking and feeling confident. So we go to a stylist here and there to make sure that our hair looks tip top or a barber every two weeks so that we look tip top. We understand that it's important, but we also aren't really too interested in learning how to cut our own hair. So that's a really good example. Another one that I quite like is the example of a mechanic and having a coach is kind of like having a mechanic who you really, really trust that you take your car to all the time for preventative maintenance to make sure that it's running really, really good. But unlike a mechanic who's never going to let you into the garage and show you how they're doing the preventative maintenance, what it is they're fixing, and tell you the why, a coach should take you into the garage with them and give you every single tool they have, tell you why they're using it and how they're using it. So eventually, at the end of the day, that client can say, hey, I know how to do this by myself. I had a great coach who not only pushed me while I work with them, this could be in person and online, um, but I now know how to fix my car whenever something pops up. And something that I found is if you do a good enough job of educating and explaining to people as a coach, whether that be in person or online, there's always new things to be learning, new things to be working on, and people tend to stick around despite actually becoming self-sufficient. So, I have for you five reasons, the biggest reasons, that hiring a coach makes sense. So first, let's dive into number one, and that is that objective feedback trumps subjective feedback. So objective feedback is essentially non-opinionated It is what it is. It's the facts, okay? It's cut and dry. That's the science, baby. The day to be what the day to be. Now, on the other side, we have subjective feedback, which is usually our own interpretation of how things are going, and it tends to be a little bit biased. So, to put it as simply and concisely as possible, when it comes to our own training, our subjective feedback and our subjective interpretation of how we're doing tends to be either overwhelmingly positive or overwhelmingly negative. And what I mean by that is this, what you'll find is most people, when left to their own devices, to do their own programming, their own nutrition coaching, um, they either think they're doing exponentially better than they are, or they're, they think they're doing exponentially worse, and they end up actually hammering themselves too hard, and they develop some degree of negative self-talk, and they can actually get quite destructive. So Let's first talk about what happens when subjective feedback runs a little bit too positively. And there's actually some literature and evidence out there in the, the uh, research space that's kind of aligned with the idea that when people are left to their own devices and they get a little bit too friendly with how they're interpreting how they're doing, things can get away from you. A great example of this that I always like to cite are when people are asked to recall their food intake. So. If you put people in a metabolic ward, which is essentially a room where you can just watch them eat, um, you can give a very accurate log as a scientist as to exactly how many calories they're eating. So metabolic ward trials are really good for weight loss. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll compare a metabolic ward versus people who are just doing recall. And so when people are left to recall how many calories they're actually consuming, they usually overestimate or underestimate how many calories they're burning by up upwards of 50%. And they overestimate how many calories they're burning by like 50%. So they overestimate how much they burn and they underestimate how much they eat. And a lot of that is tied to simply just not knowing any better. But again, it's that psychological piece that we tend to be really friendly with ourselves. On the flip side, I've worked with a lot of clients who the first thing I have to tell them when they come to me is, you're pushing too hard. Um, In fact, one of my clients, she's probably in her late 30s. She's a teacher and she is incredibly, incredibly lean, very strong, has developed a very, very impressive physique, like extremely impressive physique. But a lot of those training habits over the years resulted in some injuries and some wear and tear But that subjective feedback on her end wasn't that she was doing too much, which she probably was. It was that I just need to do a little bit more to break through this pain, and I just got to keep pushing. And so again, a coach would say to either one of those people, to the people who are subjectively a little bit too nice, they would say, okay, you're not being honest with yourself, you're overeating, and you're not doing a good job of recalling or tracking those, we need to do X, Y, Z. And then on the flip side, to that person who's very type A, very driven, very... Uh, potentially hard on themselves. They might say, hey, look, you are doing well. In fact, you're doing so well. We need to incorporate more recovery modalities. We need to insert some carbohydrates here and here. Right? A coach's job is to provide that objective feedback. So your job as the client is to implement the plan, whether that be in in-person sessions or online where you're implementing a plan from afar and accumulate data with which that coach is going to kind of review and go, "Hmm, okay." And coaches should be asking questions like, "Hey, how's your sleep going? Hey, what are your macros looking like?" or 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 what's food looking like? You know, there there's different check check-in mechanisms that coaches use, and I use some and different coaches use different ones, but there should be a dialogue around what a lot of people call biofeedback, which would be, "Hey, how's your sleep?" How's your stress? And a coach is able to interpret that data and go, hmm, okay, so what you're telling me is your sleep's been poor and your stress has been high, but you're and you're mad at yourself for getting weaker. Well, would you believe me if I told you that not getting enough sleep and being stressed would impact your training? And then the client goes, oh my gosh, I'm really glad you told me that because I was being too hard on myself. So there's a lot of ways that having somebody whose job it is to provide that objective feedback can keep you from going too far to one side of the road. We call that going from guardrail to guardrail. A coach's job is to keep you right between those two lines, driving a little bit over the speed limit. I say a little bit over the speed limit because when 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 I use this analogy, a lot of times people will only push themselves the bare minimum or they'll push themselves way too far. And anybody who's ever driven a car knows you can drive a little bit over the speed limit without getting in trouble. And our coach's job is to try to get you to that maximum level of miles per hour that lets you get to your goal a little bit faster than you would have otherwise, but not so aggressively that you drive over the speed limit and end up getting a ticket, which in this case would be end up getting injured, end up getting burnt out, end up getting fatigued, Um, A variety of different things that can come with pushing too hard. But when you're a coach, your emotional investment is in the client's success. And at the end of the day, you're able to look at everything, communicate with them, provide support, and keep them on that road, on the straight and narrow. And you're certainly going to get them there a little bit quicker. So for those of you who tend to be on one side or the other, you're either a little bit too hard on yourself, right? You're a little bit too nice to yourself, Coaching makes a ton of sense, and for those of you who are brutally honest with yourself and you tend to be really good at providing objective feedback, you'd probably, one, make a great coach, but also you'd probably be somebody who is very receptive to coaching. And I've actually found some of the clients who I've worked with who have the most success are actually those who, wherever they were on that side of that subjective feedback, where they're a little bit too hard or they're a little bit too nice, they actually end up being the ones that come down to being a little bit more pragmatic. They end up being a little bit more realistic by the end of the process or they already are and they see great success. So whether you're listening to this and still deciding between getting a coach or not, a piece of advice I have for you is to consistently practice working on moving from those two subjective outliers, whether it's all the way towards being too nice or too mean, to that more objective place that exists kind of in the middle. So the second big reason that I think it's very important that people at least consider hiring a coach, especially whether they're th- this applies more to those who are early on in their training career or more advanced, is we tend to do what we like to do more than what we need to do. So a, a pitfall a lot of trainees run into is they get very entrenched in a routine, very ingrained in some habits, and they do lifts mobility work, and eat foods that they enjoy doing, not necessarily the things that they should be doing. And a good coach and a good trainer always knows you have to give clients uh, a little bit of what they want and a little bit of what they need. And what I mean by that is if you're working with a client in person and you make them do nothing remotely close to what they want to be doing. So for example, Mary Muffintop walks in day one and she says, I want to tone my abs and my arms. And you're a trainer and you're like, all right, well, we can't spot target fat and I need to teach you fundamental movement patterns. So I'm going to teach you the biomechanical importance of learning the hinge pattern, Mary Muffintop. And she's like, fuck this guy, man. I just want to tone my arms and burn my abs. So a good trainer would go, Okay, Mary, I hear what you're saying. You really want to work on your abs and arms. We will get to that, but let's spend the first 20 minutes learning the basics of the deadlift. It's a really important workout, and we're going to build on it moving forward. So you take her through it. You screen her. You do your assessment. You do a little bit of deadlifting. Then you get to the end, and you're like, awesome, Mary. We did our compound lifts at the beginning. We did a little bit of extra work. And now what we're going to do is we're going to spend the last 10 minutes and we're going to put together a superset of abs and triceps. I'm going to have you do 20 stir the pots in each direction and go immediately into a dumbbell tricep kickback. We're going to run that through for three rounds. So you give the lady 40 minutes of what she needs, but 10 minutes of what she came to you for. And that's something that when you leave people to their own devices – they turn completely on their head. They end up doing 40 minutes of abs and triceps and none of the stuff they need to get the long-term lasting results and strength that we want. And unfortunately, that doesn't just happen with people like Mary Top. A lot of advanced lifters tend to stay away from the work it is that they need to do to break through plateaus in their strength or build the physique that they wanna build. But unfortunately, when you are left to your own devices, We are much more likely to let ourselves down than we are to let somebody else down. So bringing somebody on board whose job it is to provide you with a plan that you can look to and be honest with and say, hey, these are the things that I want to accomplish. This is what I've been doing. And the coach, if they're doing their job, is going to say, okay, I see what you've been doing. I like some of it. But here's what we need to insert, inject, or add in to make sure that you really get there because whatever you've been doing isn't going to get you there. And then you're much, you tend to be much more likely, people tend to, I found, to follow through with those things. A, a lot of people actually know the work that they need to do. That's really interesting. A lot of times I'll sit down for either client consultations in person, but more likely, more often when I'm communicating with potential online clients, and I'll ask them what they want to accomplish. They'll tell me a thing or two about what it is that they're looking to do. And I'll say, well, uh, hearing what you've been doing, do you want to know what I think you should do to make the biggest impact in getting to your goals more quickly? And they'll often answer the question for me. So I could be like, For example, let's say it's a higher level power lifter and they go, oh man, well, you know, I just really have a hard time getting out of the hole in my squat. And so I'm thinking, all right, so some of this hip extension ability is a little bit weak. We need to do more direct glute work. Um, And I go, okay, well, let's say this guy's name's Brad. All right, Brad, so you're having a hard time getting out of the hole in your squat. You know what I think the number one thing you should probably be working on, Brad? And Brad goes, oh, I need to do more glute work. And I'm like, You're right, Brad. You do need to do more glute work. So why aren't you doing it? And they all people tend to say, oh, man, I just hate it and I don't like doing it. And that's part of my problem. I don't like to do the things I don't like to do. And in seven years of coaching, I at first when I started doing this, I would have never believed that people were aware of the things holding them back. Um, And certainly that's not the case with everybody, but it's startlingly more common than you would think. And I think this becomes exponentially more tr- more true when we talk about nutrition. Um, granted, there are a lot of issues and nuance with nutrition, but most people looking to lose weight tend to know they need to eat less, but they're not able to implement it without somebody to hold them accountable to it and enforce those things that need to be done. So a good coach is able to walk that fine line of holding your hand and also coaxing you to want to do it for yourself, providing you the support needed to help you do the things you need to do, even if you know you need to do them and you just can't quite get it done on your own. That's very common, and that's why that one was all the way up there at reason number two. Hey guys, just wanted to take a quick second to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And if you're finding value, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your social media, simply screenshot whatever platform you're listening to and share the episode to your Instagram story or share it to Facebook. But be sure to tag me so I can say thanks and we can chat it up about what you liked and how I can continue to improve. Thanks so much for supporting the podcast and enjoy the rest of the episode. Now we're getting into three, four, five, which not only are helpful for deciding whether or not you should hire a coach, but also if you're gonna hire a coach, picking the right one. So Tip number three, when looking or considering to hire a coach, understand that one, you may not be the expert you think you are. And number two, your coach might not be the expert that you think they are. Now, this may sound condescending, but I have found it to be true over the years. People think they really, really know a lot about fitness, particularly intermediate to semi-advanced lifters. But just because you've been lifting for a long time doesn't mean you've been educating yourself for a long time. And a lot of people do a lot of the wrong stuff for a long, long time, and they get these ideas entrenched pretty deep. And a good coach can help educate you through those pitfalls. Now, on the flip side, a lot of coaches, especially on the internet space, are not the experts we think they may be, particularly when we start using the term influencer. It's very important to understand that just because somebody has a great physique does not mean they understand all the nuances of helping you achieve a great physique. Perhaps they do. I don't want to discount that. A lot of people who have built great bodies understand some really fundamental pieces of training intensity, training recovery, and training technique. It's very hard to build a great body and not understand at least a few of those things. What becomes very difficult is how does that person communicate what they know to somebody who's maybe the opposite gender, maybe 20 years older, 20 years younger, has a very different lifestyle, right? That's where coaching and the education piece and having a degree, we'll get to this in a minute. having certifications, having experience can be really, really valuable is in helping clients apply principles, right? So again, number three, people tend to think they know more than they know and they tend to think anybody who has a nice physique knows everything that they need. And that's not always the case. When you're looking for a coach, there's a few big, big things that I think you guys should look for. So number one, Multiple years of working with clients in an in-person setting. Now, this applies for online coaching even more so. Why am I so big on in-person experience for online coaches? And I've gone back and forth with people in comments who think, no, I can do online, I I understand, blah blah blah, blah. I can do it just fine. I'm never trained a person, I don't want to, that's not for me. It is very difficult. To build and compile the skill set necessary to help people achieve lifelong transformation, better movement, better nutrition, without having communicated with them face-to-face. Watch them move face-to-face. Put your hands on their body in a non-weird way. Okay, Had hard conversations. If you've had somebody break down in front of you and cry, about why it is that they cannot reach their goal and you are able to comfort them, take them through a great session and carry them to that transformation, that can make your communication skills really, really polished and really, really good because it's hard and those are the things that you're fostering with in-person training. That's not even getting into the explanation of technique, the examination of technique, all of the nuances of program design that are exponentially easier in person. But what happens is you have people on the internet who have a large degree of influence and a nice body, and they get way too many clients who have a lot of issues and need very specific coaching, and they have no idea how to communicate with them. They cannot provide them with the emotional support they need. They cannot provide them with proper programming or programming critique because they don't know what they're looking for. They just have a nice body. So that's why in-person coaching is a vital When you're looking for a coach, whether it be in person or online, it's important that people have experience communicating fundamental principles to you in person, because if they can't do it in person, they're certainly not going to be able to do it over text, email, WhatsApp. Understand that the nuance and the various layers of coaching um, are hard to communicate if you don't have a handle on it. And The best way to build that handle is with experience, period, end of story. Another thing you should look for is accredited certifications. Now, I don't think that certifications are as important as I used to. In my like first two years in the industry, I accrued like 10 personal training certifications from different organizations because I thought that it was a must. And I've legitimately and 100% honestly lost count, but I know I'm north of 20 now. And all of them have been very influential and they've been helpful in their own regard. They're not as important as I thought they were, but what accredited certifications show you is that your coach is invested in continuing to grow and develop. Um, Or the the potential coaches you're working with are people who are willing to spend discretionary income to travel all over the world in many cases, usually all over their country, to learn from experts, to learn techniques, to stay current, to keep their licensure going. And that's really, really important because even at the end of the day… If they already knew a lot of those concepts and topics, which is why a lot of coaches stop going, they go, I already know that shit. Okay, well, maybe you already know it, but have you heard it put this way? Are you open to continuing to grow? What you're asking your coach basically to do is to model the behavior that they would want from you. If your coach isn't willing to learn or listen to other people, why the hell would you learn and listen to them, right? So not only are the accredited certifications a good way for a coach to protect their butt, or you know, they don't have to be certifications. They can be things like weekend workshops or seminars. Um, these are really good tools for coaches to stay current and continue to provide you with value. If your coach is not growing, they're going to be very limited in how much they can continue to provide and support you as you become more and more advanced. So look for a coach who likes to go out and learn. And don't be afraid to ask if you're looking into a coach, hey, what was the last continuing education thing you did? And and what did you learn? What did you like? Like pick these people's brains. There's a lot of coaches out there and you as a consumer have every right to make sure that you are working with the right one or one who cares. Number three thing you should be looking for. So this is subtopic three inside of reason three. So several accredited certifications, multiple years working in an in-person setting, and here's a big one. Testimonials. If a coach does not have testimonials for you or they're not willing to provide them, run away. Period. I would be, I would be willing enough to give potential clients the phone number of other clients or uh, put them in contact with one another to ask them questions. Point being, if they're not willing to show you their handiwork, what they've accomplished, the types of relationships they've built through things like testimonials, um, they might be new. And if they're new and they're ready to go and they're willing to help you, those are sometimes the best coaches you can work with—hungry new coaches who will overdeliver every time. But if you're looking for a coach online and they don't have testimonials, might be something you should be a little bit, a little bit wary of. Okay, and last, and this is a bonus. A degree in a relevant field is very helpful. The higher the level of the degree, the better education the individual tends to have. Okay, It's not to say that degrees are the only way to get educated. That's certainly not the case, but it definitely makes a difference. And, of course, relevant field includes but is not limited to things like kinesiology, exercise science, uh, exercise physiology, anything in the medical world, nutrition, and even psychology. These are all relevant fields, particularly for coaching that if your coach or potential coach has some accreditation there, whether it's a bachelor's degree, master's degree, even a PhD, which probably they're not doing a ton of coaching, but those are things that can, again, help you ensure you're working with a high-quality individual who really knows what they're talking about. So that is point three. Moving on to point four, the fourth thing that you should be looking for okay, in a coach is somebody who's going to be there when things get tough. A lot of coaches simply do not want to communicate with their clients. The name of the game with online coaching is get more clients, provide less communication, things like weekly check-ins, all this stuff, or not giving out phone numbers or only doing email. I eat, Look, you can do what you want, but I give my clients unlimited email access and I give them the ability to jump on a phone call with me at a moment's notice if things really are going crazy, shit's hitting the fan and they need help. The reason that I do that is because I believe that people need support when things get tough. And a lot of coaches only want to work with clients when things are going smooth, whether that's in person or online. And if you want to help people make long-term, lasting change behaviorally that will drive health for the rest of their life, you have to give a shit about the human being. And if you only care about the transactional relationship and you're not willing to listen to the problems, you're not willing to listen to where they're struggling, you don't want to respond to emails, you don't want to respond to texts, you don't really care. And there's a lot of coaches out there that do that. And if anybody out there is listening and they have a coach who doesn't respond to texts or emails for weeks or forgets to respond or doesn't reach out on occasion when it's been a few days or doesn't pay a lot of attention to you... um, When you're talking to them, these are things to be wary of. These are things to be concerned with. A lot of my in-person clients, one of the biggest things you can do is really listen to what people are saying, right? That's particularly easy when you're face-to-face. It's harder when you're online. And if you have a coach who's saying, oh, I only do weekly check-ins. You need to check in on this day. And they provide you with a really short response. Their ability to support you is limited enough. But if you as a client feel off base reaching out to them for help when you're struggling or you, need, you have a question, you're not going to get the most out of that relationship. And a lot of people are paying hundreds, sometimes even thousand, not thousands, but upwards of $1,000 a month to work with various coaches. And they have unbelievable communication restrictions and communication is at the core of all relationships, particularly coaching relationships. So having somebody who's there for you when things get tough, and who's open to communicating with you on a what I believe to be reasonable frequency of of multiple times a week is huge. And if your coach isn't willing to do that, or if coaches aren't willing to do that, you, you might still work with them and get great results. But I would certainly say it's less likely because and we'll talk about this in the next point. It's really important that you have somebody there who's willing to communicate, who's willing to talk to you, and who's willing to educate. Uh, which takes me to point five. The last reason you should hire a trainer is that self-sufficiency is born from education, Okay. Having a guide on your fitness journey definitely has its perks for any program to work, you've got to stick with it and you've got to understand why you should stick with it and a good coach is going to put a program together and communicate to you why things are put out the way they are, whether that be in the form of an email, an audio message uh, an in-person coach should explain to you why we're doing different exercises or the benefits of those different exercises or asking you where are you feeling it what what's working oh you're feeling it here it could be because of this. And constantly, constantly, constantly dropping little gold nuggets of information that you can pick up. A good coach is always looking for any excuse to talk more about something that you're passionate about. When a client asks me, oh, why are we doing this one? Not like, why are we doing this one? But, oh, why are we doing this one? I get absolutely hyped up because it's like, oh, my God, let me tell you, this is an awesome exercise. I love it. Here's why I love it. And that really one builds the relationship, it builds the trust, it builds the excitement, but it also shows the client, and that might be you, and for coaches listening, this is really important, that there's levels to this shit. And that all exercises are really in some ways quite unique and they have different, you know, they have different rationales and they have different applications. And that can be really exciting. And when you start to unpack everything in exercise, science, fitness, programming, nutrition, it, it can be overwhelming. But having somebody there to explain it can make it seem exponentially more accessible. It can make it fun. It can make it exciting. So you should be looking for a coach who's willing to educate, who's, who's ready to go, who's excited, who when you ask a question, doesn't say, because I said so. You know, they say things like, oh, man, that's a great question. Let me answer it. Those things are really important when you're looking for a coach. So, guys, again, populations that I think should look into coaching. Genuinely, anybody who wants to get the most out of their fitness, period, end of story. I've had coaches in the past. I know it's incredibly valuable. When I need to get ready for something, I'll hire a coach, period, end of story. It makes too much sense not to have the support for, in many ways, what costs a very, very reasonable amount considering the return. But the five real, real things you need to consider. Oh, real quick, let's finish. Populations, populations that would really, really do well with a coach. Novice to intermediate lifters who need more education and more support. Advanced lifters preparing for something who often get in their own ways. Busy professionals who can't always make time to work out or when they get to the gym, they're stressed and they just need a plan that they know is going to work, that they can implement and somebody high level that they can check in with. Those are the big ones. Everybody else in between will benefit, but if you fall into those three categories, I would take a particularly deep look into hiring a coach, and the five reasons that I think everybody should have one is that, again, we get that objective feedback from a coach that we tend not to give ourselves, tend to be a little bit more subjective, often sometimes too nice, sometimes too mean. Having somebody who helps us be in the middle and see what's really happening, just look at the data, can be huge, okay? Okay. We need somebody who's going to make sure that we're doing the things we need to do, not just the things we like to do, right? It's really, really important, and it presents an incredible opportunity for growth if you can work with an expert who is passionate about something, okay? That goes for anything, whether you're learning music, you're learning a trade, you're learning a craft, or you're learning how to get the most out of your fitness. Expertise, education, and passion from a professional who wants to help you is going to be huge. Okay, another reason, the big biggest reason perhaps, is that having somebody who's there to support you after you've fallen down to help you get back up can be exponential, can provide exponential growth, right? Because what ends up happening is people fall flat on their face and they might not get up, or if they get up, they they feel so defeated. Having somebody there to help you to listen to you and support you is huge. And again. An educator on your team in the trenches helping you out is a game changer in anything that you do. And this doesn't just go for fitness coaching, okay? Like I said, this goes for any type of coaching relationship where you're looking to improve faster than you would without. And if you want to get somewhere quick and you want to get somewhere safe and you want to know that you are doing it the right way and feel confident the entire time, And throw that uncertainty and frustration out of the window, hire a coach. It really makes a big difference. So before we wrap things up today, guys, just want to remind you again, we're doing a giveaway on the home programs. Three of the body weight, three of the minimal equipment. All you have to do, screenshot this or any episode that you have listened to of Dynamic Dialogue that you really, really liked. Tag me in that screenshot and post it to your Instagram story. That lets me see it. I'm going to pick six people by the end of the day on Friday. I'm really, really excited to continue to watch this podcast grow. We've already eclipsed 10,000 downloads in the first 30 days, which is crazy fast. I'm so hyped. I appreciate you guys so freaking much. It's crazy. It really is. The fact that I've been able to connect with you on this platform and create the depth that I wanted to so much on Instagram in a really authentic way has been huge. I appreciate you all so much. If you want to help me continue to grow this, share the hell out of it, share it on different platforms, leave a five-star rating and review. I'm not going to stop asking for help because for me, this has been a really impressive medium. Uh, I've been shocked at how fast it's helped me gain and reach new people. And, and I want to do that. That is my goal. I want to help as many people get in it the best shape they possibly can. And I'd be silly not to ask you guys for help. And again, for anybody who's listened this far, I genuinely do appreciate every single one of you. I know this is a tough time. I know this is stressful. It'd be really easy to sit back and just watch Netflix and not train and binge. Watch this and binge eat that. But the fact that you guys are listening to this with all the free time you have, getting some activity in, tremendous kudos to you. I appreciate it. We're going to make it through this. Keep up the good work. Stay strong. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. Again, thanks so much for listening to Dynamic Dialogue. And remember, it's always a good day to be a good person.